morning, church. Um, my name is Cora Moore. I am a senior at Alma Heights High School, and I'll be graduating and going to UT in the fall. Um, today, our scripture reading comes from Mark 2, 13 to 17. It says, He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at, t at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat? Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. All flesh is grass, and all its beauty the flower, like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. In Mark 2, 13 and 14, we see Jesus speaking to a large crowd, and as he walks away, he calls Levi, a tax collector, to follow him. Now keep in mind that tax collectors in this time period were considered to live promiscuous, lawless lives. They were categorized with prostitutes, gamblers, and thieves. Many people saw them as thieves themselves, because most of the time they were taking money from taxes, keeping some for themselves, and giving the rest to the Romans, their oppressors. Now even though Levi was looked down upon, even though he was probably hated by many people, Jesus said to follow him, he heard him, and he followed him. How many times when Jesus tells you to follow him, to listen to him, have you ignored him? When he's been calling you to a different part of town, a different city, country, a different business venture, or really anything Jesus has been saying clearly follow me about, but you've been scared. You have friends here. You're comfortable in your job. You'd be so far from your family if you moved. The list goes on. I, for one, can say that I have tried to ignore his callings many times. Before I had to be hit on the head with a sermon, a Bible study, or a devotional where Jesus was saying, come on, Cora, what else do I have to say to get you to listen to me, to trust me? I didn't trust Jesus when waiting for college decisions. I just wanted to be in a school to feel like I had control over my future. I lacked trust. I didn't trust him to provide. I didn't trust his timing and wanted to go by my own. Now, this illustration might make some Aggies in the room uncomfortable, but most of you probably know I initially planned and committed to A&M. I didn't wait to hear back from UT. I wanted to be in control. I didn't want to wait to take the chance of something going wrong. I let worry get the best of me. So when I found out I got into UT, into the college I never thought I would, I had to do so much more work to get to it because I had to switch everything from A&M to UT. I didn't trust God's timing or his plan for me. I didn't wait to hear back from all the schools. I just assumed that I was going to not get in, that something was going to go horribly wrong if I didn't commit now, and I was going to lose all my chances. Anxiety got the best of me. I think that waiting is something that everyone struggles with. We tend to grumble, get antsy, and want to know what's going to happen right now. We tend to be like the Israelites in the desert as they grumbled about where they were going to get water and food from, even though God had provided many times before. God had led me and my family across the ocean to Indonesia and provided plentifully for us there. When he led us back home to San Antonio, he provided plentifully for us here. And still, I didn't trust him in the next steps of my future. God uses waiting to stretch us and grow us and change our hearts to be more what he wants us to be. 
When I changed my mind to UT, even though the process looked different than I expected it to, it all worked out in his timing. Even in the midst of not always being able to wait, God uses it in your life and teaches you. In the frequently quoted but no less true verse, Philippians 4, 5 to 6, it says the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I have shortened this into a mantra for myself. Turn your worries into prayers. This is something I find myself repeating on days that are hard, on days when I'm so overwhelmed and stressed that all I can think about is what I can do next, what I need to get done, and where I am going from there. I struggle with trying to control everything and forget that I'm not the one in control. I never have been, and I never will be. God is. Philippians 4.7 goes on to say, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. As you give your worries up to God in prayer, you experience the fullness of the hope of these verses. God offers so much hope to all of us as we go through our days, but we have to be able to release control in order to experience that hope and peace. As most of you know, I babysit a lot, like a lot, a lot. I love all the kids I babysit. They bring so much joy into my life. Are they a challenge sometimes? Yes. Do they ignore what I'm telling them repeatedly to do? All the time. Have I had moments where I want to rip my hair out? Maybe a couple. But do I love them any less? No. I still can't wait to see them every time. I still enjoy playing with them, drawing with them, and doing silly voices to make them laugh. And that's shown me just a glimpse of how much God loves us, his unconditional love for us, how he would never leave us nor forsake us. And that realization is huge. When you come to understand that God loves us no matter what we do and loves us more than we can fathom, it changes everything. There's no more doubt about whether you're good enough or whether all these things or people you're trying to help are good enough. You just are. He loves you enough to send his son to die on a cross so that you can spend eternity with him in heaven. God's grace is amazing. Even when we have turned away, he always invites us back to him. God's love is always there. As I find my identity in the love of my heavenly father, I find comfort in the fact that God's in control. That doesn't mean that I don't still struggle with holding on to control. I still constantly find myself trying to control things that are way bigger than I am. I forget to turn my worries into prayers all the time, but that won't stop me from trying my best to. It may not be easy, but it's important. As you leave this service today, I challenge you all to think about what it is that you struggle with giving complete control to God about. What makes it hard for you to trust him? When have you not trusted God but found that his plan for you is still full of his provision and his love? Jesus loves you, you can trust him, and he calls you to follow him. Thank you. All right, church, before I get started, I think that good morning was kind of wimpy, so let's try this again. Good morning, church. Much better. All right, howdy, y'all. My name is Jake Carter. I go to San Antonio Christian Schools, and I will be t attending uh, Texas A&M University in the fall, and I'll be doing the Corps of Cadets. Well, if you have not figured it out yet, life goes by in the blink of an eye. It feels like yesterday when I did the Christmas pageant here. I remember as a little kid, that was the one thing about Christmas I always dreaded. So to get my way, I always threw a huge fit giving my mom all the reasons why it was silly of me to do this Christmas pageant. Yet despite all of my complaining, my mom would not take no for an answer. So up I went as one of the shepherd's little white sheep. Now here I am about to graduate high school and move on into the next chapter of my life. 
I'm eager to see what the Lord has in store for me. I'm about to step further into a society where there is an unhealthy amount of division and hatred that people have towards one another. Hatred that is fueled by media and selfless politicians who care more about their agenda instead of we the people. They do not care about the individual anymore. Instead, they are driven by power and money, the root of all evil. I think you would agree with me that this country is not headed in a good direction. Now, why has this nation gone astray, you might ask? I believe it is because, as a nation, we have distanced ourselves from God and from the core principles that make this country great. Life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, unalienable rights endowed by our Creator, which were written to the Declaration by our Founding Fathers. Now, the Founding Fathers believe that God created this nation, so they wrote their religious faith into our founding documents stamped their trust in God into our coins and currency, and put it squarely at the base of our institutions. These men strive to obey God's commandments, live in freedom, and create a prosperous country. And that they did, and that they did well. Sadly, over the past century, the pendulum is shifting away from the importance of family, faith, and freedom, the things that make this country so great. This country is headed in a secularist direction, where the government seeks to control every aspect of our lives, and where people are told to do whatever makes them feel good. Vast amounts of people are led astray by people like Oprah, who say that there are many ways to heaven, and that if you're a good person, you will enter the kingdom of heaven. However, as Christians, we know that this is not true. This cannot be farther from the truth. The simple truth is that there's only way to heaven, and that is through the Father. We must remember that we, we live in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, as it says in Philippians 2, verse 15. Now, as followers of Christ, we are supposed to hold firmly on to the word of life so that we can be lights of the world. I believe we need more resilient men and women from the church to stand up for the truth, answering the call, just as Isaiah did in chapter 6, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who shall go forth? And I said, here am I, send me. God has a calling on all of our lives, and we will all glorify the kingdom in different ways. But we first need to answer the call. Now it will not be easier to turn our country back to the way the Founding Fathers intended. It will take a generation of believers, especially young ones, to stand up. Now this church has played a significant role in my life, from being baptized here in the sanctuary to going through confirmation, this church community has helped shape me into the man I am today. And I'm grateful that this church has played a part in shaping me and my colleagues into leaders, equipped with the tools necessary to be disciples, but most importantly, men and women who have a firm foundation in Christ. I've been able to grow in my faith through Sunday school and church, but even more so through the relationships I have formed here. Relationships with people who I can count on, and most importantly, who I can trust. As followers of Christ, we are called to help our brothers and sisters, no matter how broken they may be. Jesus approached all types of people, children, fishermen, and even the despised tax collectors of his day. Yet he did it because they were all children of God, and he loved all of them, and he knew that the Father in heaven had a plan for each one of them. Now, I've been blessed to serve others, and through this, it has made my faith grow stronger. 
I have seen the Lord at work in the poorest parts of Colombia and through the local ministries in San Antonio, CAM, Food Bank, Haven for Hope, this daily ministries, I could go on. Some of my favorite memories include Urban Plunge, where the youth of this church was able to serve many local ministries in the San Antonio area. Another great memory was I went to Medellin, Colombia. I was able to serve the community, especially the kids. Kids with backgrounds and living conditions that you cannot even begin to imagine. Yet despite their circumstances, they were joyful and content with what they had. Then when I look at our society, there are so many people who have it all. The success, the lifestyle, fill in the blank, whatever it may be. But they are simply not satisfied, and as a result, have no genuine joy. Why? Well, the Word of God tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Countless people go through their lives unfulfilled because they are looking for contentment in the things of this world. They keep trying to fill their lives with empty material things which have no eternal significance. So it leaves the soul unsatisfied. Only the Lord and his promises, which include eternal life, will fulfill and nourish the soul. Not, not, not only has this church community prepared me for a life ahead, but they've also been there for me and my family. Uh, back in 2018, when my dad got esophageal cancer, support poured in for him and our family. Throughout the long and difficult journey, people like Mitchell, Bob, Alex, Martha, and many others supported us immensely. My dad used his illness and its innate suffering from cancer to witness to countless people. He considered his suffering to be an honor, one which he would use to bring others closer to the Lord. My dad made sure to instill into my sister and I the viable life skills of taking risks, the importance of hard work, honesty, being truthful to your word, and repeatedly stressing to us the importance of always keeping God close until the day he passed on March 29th, 2020. Now, it is hard to understand at times why God does what he does. My faith has been tested more than any other time in my life. I would not have been able to get through this season of life without the faith that my dad made sure to instill into me. My dad prepared me to live life in full dependence of my heavenly father so that when he departed this world, he knew I could take on life challenges because I had a firm foundation in Christ. Men like my uncle, Mitchell, and Alex also helped me and my sister through this tough season of life by always being there for us. Whether it be a text, a phone call, or even just going out to lunch, they were always there to offer their wisdom and their guidance. Now, I know I have said a lot, but if there's one thing I could leave with you all with, it is found in James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Our lives are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. 
You know, once my dad passed away, it really hit me that I do not know my last breath on this earth will be. And that the material objects and things of this world, they're only temporary. Now, no matter what stage of life you're in or how old you are, it is never too late to answer the call like Isaiah did, saying, Lord, here I am, send me. Dr. Laham, one of my dad's doctors at MD Anderson, who my dad had left to the Lord at the time he was his patient, said, I cannot fathom someone going through life without faith. I cannot believe our life is wrapped up in our birth and our death, for it is just too short. I do not believe birth is the beginning and death is the end, but rather death is just the end of the beginning. Death is just the end of the beginning. The truth in those words gave me chills. Now people ask me why I have such a positive outlook on things despite everything that's happened in my life. It is because I've come to the realization that tomorrow is not guaranteed to us. So I've begun to make more decisions that will have an eternal impact on the kingdom of heaven. My goal in life is best said by C.T. Studd, who said, my prayer is that when I die, all of hell rejoices that I am out of the fight. When I take my last breath of that crisp Texas air, I want to look back on my life and say that I did the most I could for the kingdom of heaven, and that I gave the devil in hell one hell of a fight.